a bunch of witty bitches. Hey, Papa. Hey, I have a quip. You have a quip. We'll put that for a It's just cadals. Beep boop. Beep boop boop. Beep boop beep boop. Welcome back to Witty Banter, episode number 106. Is 106 right? It is. It is? The 105 one was last one? Yeah. I don't know. It feels like ages ago somehow, you know? Oh, and I looked it up. It is Super Centenarian. Super I was right cool. the first time. Centenarian. Centen- <laughs> Super Centen, Witty, Pip-Pip-Pip. Well, thank you for that information. Uh, of course, I am your host, Max Scott. With me here today, my two lovely co-hosts, we've got the man who drops those fire combos in Guilty Gear, Chase Williams. What's my up, goodness. everybody? Chase gave me a, uh, a real a licking over the weekend oh, with no. some, some Guilty Gear, man. It was very embarrassing, but also empowering at the same time. Okay. It was inspirational. So okay. Thank you. And to I'm my left, Max what he's always longed for, and that's competition. You have no idea how much I've craved that so much in my life, right? <laughs> okay. It's amazing. Uh, and then to my left, he drops fire albums, Hunter Dorset. Coming in, yeah! Wow, oh, man. Hunter, how are you going to fucking hold on to such a diamond, and not even mention it till the like last minute of our sh- of our yeah, of your own podcast. Like, we're all pretty upset about this. We've been talking about this. Isn't about the it. Hunter mm. Toots his horn show? Yes, it is. You <laughs> it absolutely. Have you not seen the description? We put it in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta let it simmer, dude. You can't you can't build it up too much. You, it's the whole expectation thing. Make yeah. it seem like it's going to suck ass. Yeah. Don't say anything about it. And then people get delighted, surprised, and you're like, yay. That's pretty much, yeah. That's always been my thought process for just about anything I've ever tried to achieve in life, for the most part. I was beyond delightfully surprised, Hunter. That album, or that EP, is legitimately yeah. the best music I've ever heard come from you guys. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I don't, like, like, casual interference at this point forward is, like, before or after this point to me, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a great feeling. A good step forward, and... Yeah, it's it's cool because like I already see things that like I think we can improve on. And that session, uh, it was over two weekends, and it was kind of like disjointed, and we didn't know what we wanted. And so it's like if we really get a good a good leg in the in the door next time through, and keep kind of improving on iterations, I think it could get pretty good. Where where did you guys record it? Did you do this in Blake's studio? No, no, no. We we went to an actual recording engineer. So this was okay. in Austin. Uh, I think it was on Fifth Street. It might be called Fifth Street Studios, uh, but it you know it just kind of looks like a garage in a back alley, and you go back in there, and it was actually a pretty kick ass studio. And uh, yeah, it was I mean, fun, dude, man. I was I was blown away by how, how balanced like all of the instrumentation actually was, and how like nothing felt. Like everything felt, all the instruments felt like it occupied its own space, but it was also all a part of the same song. And I think what Blake does most of the songwriting, right? Yeah, like, Blake does most of the songwriting. It's been kind of steered a little bit. So like Blake will put out the most content and then we have a new bassist and he kind of does a lot of the like, I think that kind of sucks. Let's change this. You know, he's kind of the editor yeah. uh, in flux. So yeah, I, I, I think it's... Yeah, we got a good setup going. And we just I mean, added like a it, new kick ass like uh synth guy with like a grizzly long beard and mane. Of <laughs> a hair, pleasure dude. for both the ears He's and the eyes. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. It's I'm re- we're really excited. It's going to be cool. <laughs> to show them off yeah. to people. I mean, it it really stuck out to me the songwriting did is like just 
a huge notch above what everything you guys have put out before. Like it sounded like when I put it on the radio, even for Darian, I didn't tell her, I didn't tell her who it was. And she was like, what band is this? Like, this is really good. I'm like, this is fucking Hunter's band. Like this is a friend (laughs) that we know who made this music. It blew us away, dude. And I, I don't know. I just, you, I want you to tell everyone on the show right now, like where they can go listen to it and and like the name of it and all that, because I I want people to hear it, man. Yeah, plug it. A million blessings. Thank you guys so much. Darian texted me that I was very happily smiling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's you know we're called Casual Interference. You can find it just by typing in casualinterference.com. It's our website, which got updated. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. Uh, we're on Bandcamp, SoundCloud. Most ways that you want to try and listen to us, we should be there. So. Go check it out. Yeah, that putting that on Spotify, I saw you post that. It was like revolutionary for me because that's how I listen to all my music. So yeah, because it seems so much more legit. Yeah, I mean, I just added to my list. Exactly. It's that's what you want to do because, like Chase said, you just got to put it on. And you can't have you can't say like this is my friend's band because it's automatically that. Yeah, it's like uh, be like mm, let me break it down. Sucks. Yeah, that's no way. Right. So you just got to put it on, and if it's on Spotify too, there's like, oh, who's this? I'll save this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, save it. <laughs> Twist of the mustache. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Good, but it really was just like amazingly, like comprehensive. Well, thank you guys. Music, I'm, I'm tucking, it was, it was tucking really cool. my pants up right now. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> I want you guys to work on a full feature thing, dude. I, I mean, yeah. at this point, like, I feel like that's got to be what's next for you guys. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think, uh, and I think we got the crew to do it now. So I think it's it's going to be coming down the turnpike pretty soon. Yeah, Fuck dude. yes. Well, we're all anxiously awaiting, uh, almost as much as I am anxiously awaiting this beer. Yeah. Right. So that's not true. I'm anxiously awaiting your album more than this beer, but still. It may or may not be controversial to our lesser or more uh, beer craftsmen listeners. Oh yeah, that's true. This but is we're a back taboo. to Carbach. This is a taboo brewery, man. <laughs> Would y'all this say this bre- is a yeah. taboo brewery now? I mean, in a it's certain realm funk. of the culture. It's got a little funk. It's got a little, you know, a little dirt under its nails. Skeptical skepticism now. Yeah. It's, but, it's uh, now a conversation, Peach, man, every yeah. time it's brought up. Yeah. It really is. So we're going back to Carbach Brewing Co. And um, this is the Three-Legged Lab Imperial Stout on their website. The moniker says... Three-Legged Lab is a tribute to Molly, our owner's black lab who lost her leg early on in life. But there's a certain spirit that keeps some from quitting, and it's from that spirit that this robust brew was born. Big and full of character, this imperial stout is jet black with a brown head, incredibly graceful despite its power, with huge notes of dark chocolate and a faint hit of licorice. Mm. I don't know if I'm excited about the licorice, but everything else kind of tickles my (laughs) jubblies. Yeah, I thought they uh, weaved together the... Description of the beer and the tribute pretty well. That was a good little good little write-up by them. It's very yeah. straightforward. It's almost like they did our job for us. You know what I mean? That's all <laughs> stuff we would have said, right? They described the head, the color already. <laughs> they, Shit, uh, it's do? 70 IBUs, uh, 9.3% alcohol by volume. So this is packing a punch. It's an imperial, and, dude. And 9. it's only 3. available, apparently, on the website. It says it's only available in January and February. So we... Uh, we snagged it. Must have got yeah, it we, at an opportune time. Yes. Yeah. Put it in our witty banter barrels. <laughs> Getting ready for freaking summer with our <laughs> yeah, imperial right, with stout. Our Doing summer right. <laughs> you oh. got a so big old fat brown head. Yeah, dude. This is a, a frothy beer. Man. Yeah. Be careful. Hit the side of that glass as you pour it. When I poured mine up, um, it is like preposterously dark, and it even looks thick. Like It just looks syrupy as you pour it. 
and the head is super brown. It's not even like it's it. This is just what as dark as beer gets, basically. Yeah. You know, yeah, in all really. in all capacities. Um, I've only taken like one sip. My beer's still pretty cold, and with imperial stouts, I feel like it's going to be something that's changing throughout the entire course of the show. Um, but already, like you can you can tell that it's big with the alcohol content. And when it says licorice, I don't necessarily when I when I see that in a beer descriptor for a dark beer, I don't always look for like an actual licorice lic, uh, licorice flavor, like an anise type of flavor. Instead, I think more about like it just being so dark and not so much bitter, but just unsweet that it's going to occupy that place and on my palate where licorice would sit had I eaten one. You know, you know what I mean? Right. No, absolutely. Because everybody knows that licorice is pretty much just the anti candy, despite what it's actually used for. I mean, do you yeah. guys like licorice? I, I, we, I think we've covered this before, but I'm not really a, a licorice I mean, guy. authentic licorice. No, <laughs> I have taste buds, but I don't know. What about you, Chase? Do you like licorice? If it's red. I'm for it. Yeah. If you can yeah, peel totally apart the rope, then I'm like, <laughs> really into You mean Twizzlers? <laughs> yeah, you're just talking that, about Twizzlers. I was honestly going to think the same thing, because that was obviously that was my mom's favorite candy, and that was always my first exposure to what licorice was. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought licorice was. And then when somebody gave me real licorice for the first time, I was like, what? Did you fucking break me? I mean, <laughs> Twizzlers is the original fidget spinner, dude. You get to fuck yeah, around right. with something <laughs> in your hands while you're eating candy. That's true, right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't really have too much else to add to it. Again, it's got that real, it's got a real weight to it. Like you said, obviously when I poured it up too, you could literally like wait it a second before it actually even came out of the can and had so much like syrupiness or not syrupiness, but like <gasps> density to it, you know? Um, but as the head kind of dissipates a little bit, you're right. I mean, I feel like all stats tend to taste in the same realm when they're super cold. Right, you get the same sort of taste and flavors, but as they get warmer, that's when those other underlying flavors are going to kind of open up. Yeah, so I'm it's kind of really, anxiously awaiting. It's really rich on my end. Yeah. I mean, I only had a couple sips, and it's like the alcohol is definitely there, and um, you know, it's kind of packing that that dark multi punch. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 one that I kind of want to reserve a little bit more judgment for until it opens up a little bit more, but. I mean, this is right down my alley. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I love, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Well, I hope you're also looking forward to a jam-packed news segment this yeah. week. And I'm kind of just winging it because I don't know what you guys have, but I'm just assuming <laughs> you guys are confident in your news stories this week. So. As always. Yeah. So without further ado, let's jump in. This is Witty Banter. Boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 boop. You like that one? <laughs> Chase like pulled pulled the old like make them wait for it and they'll listen closely. There was yeah, so everybody literally everybody like put their head up to the speakers right then to see what wait, his it, was. did it turn up? Oh, oh. Yeah, it's like Keep when you look at the, your phone right because you think brain. somebody's calling you when you're listening to music and then you realize that it's just a gap in the song or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. That's what happens, right? All right, man. So does anybody have any tantalizing news stories that they want to start off with or you want to let me lead the charge? I'll kick it off. This one, there's just, this one's so weird and fun. All right. It comes right. from Kotaku. The title reads, Programmer puts $50,000 on stock market and lets Twitch decide what to do. <laughs> right on. And it reads... Yesterday, playing the stock market took a whole new meaning. 
On the new Twitch channel, StockStream, Amazon engineer Mike Roberts entrusted his $50,000 of savings to the chaos that is Twitch chat, where thousands of anonymous users invest, invested in what they please. Roberts says it's the world's first co-op multiplayer game that uses real money to play the stock market. Over 170,000 viewers have watched his funds rise and fall with the whims of, of Twitch chat. Participating is as simple as writing exclamation mark sell or exclamation mark buy in whichever stock you want. Every five minutes, the game executes the top voted action with Robert's funds. The highest ranked players most accurately predict the best selling and buying decisions. His inspiration was, of course, the popular crowdsourced Pokemon channel Twitch Plays Pokemon. So have you guys heard of Twitch Plays Pokemon and do you kind of understand what's going on um, with what this guy's doing? I mean, I, I understand the concept of what this guy's doing for the most part, but I've never heard of uh, Twitch Plays Pokemon. I can only assume that. I actually know what Twitch Plays Pokemon is, right? They, the, the, they have groups of people decide each step, right? Or yep. maybe so one person individually decides the next step and then the next person? Yeah, so the chat is just basically saying, like, uh, press up, press A, press B, do all these things. And the game just takes whatever the la last chat was and inputs it into the as, – as the control for the game. And using this system, Twitch was able to beat Pokemon Blue, I think it was, or Red. <laughs> and it was just amazing. I actually used it in one of my papers as this example of like just this weird social phenomenon where this group of strangers was getting together – to, to beat a game, right? And so now this guy is doing the same thing, but with $50,000 of his own money on the stock market. And okay. so he says that, it says stock stream is an experiment. Robert Roberts wants to know what strangers will do with his hard-earned savings. Would trolls blow it? What stock will they vote for? <laughs> I thought people were just going to waste my money, Robert said. That was my first thought. He decided against a clear objective like doubling the funds because then trolls would have a stronger impetus for sabotage. And he says, if I lose half of the money, the game is over. And that's because if a day's trader's account uh, trader's account's funds sink below uh, 50%, they can no longer tr uh, trade. But between last night and this morning, Robert's stock portfolio was up about $100. And as interested <laughs> viewers flock hey. to the channel, it seems like wiser trading decisions have proved more popular. And so we're basically watching in real time this new social experiment now with much greater stakes. And you're seeing that it's not boiling down to trolls just taking his money. And instead, there's real there's uh, been discord channels that are popping up all over the Internet where people are outside of the Twitch chat. They're talking with each other and saying, like, what stock should we buy next? What should we sell next? They're fucking strategizing. And I just think it's incredible that. You would think, I would think that trolls would sink this immediately, but it almost seems that like when things are a little more serious, people will sort of rise to that and they, they want to see what they can do. And I just think the whole thing is so bizarre and so very 21st century, 2017 sort of headline, you know, and I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah, I think there's like, there's definitely a novelty to being a troll. Right. And it's a very instant satisfaction and instant gratification sort of feeling. Right. Right. But I think in this certain circumstance, like the feeling of actually working together and trying to succeed, especially with something as real as somebody's fifty thousand dollars, that ending up like taking the forefront and becoming people's truer intentions is really cool. And I think it's it makes sense in the end. I mean, like a troll sitting there trying to sabotage this whole thing 
would probably end up getting bored, you know, in like a few, yeah. like however probably, long, probably right? Probably take a while. <laughs> right. But if you have a team of people who are like working together, that's going to end up taking like this, this control over the Twitch chat. And I think that's fucking awesome. It's done through an actual computer program, right? Like, or is it just him like literally looking at what they say? And there might, I think there's like a program that mediates between the chat and the actions of the stock market mm -hmm. because in Twitch plays Pokemon, they weren't getting very far with just using the Twitch chat for the controls. And what they did is they created this anarchy versus order slider and they would slide it left or right. And whenever it was in order, it would basically take the average of like the last window of chats and yeah. execute that order. And if it was anarchy, then it would just do whatever the latest one was. Yeah. So I think this one is um, operating on some sort of like vote or popular system, but it's still ultimately up to who is in Twitch chat. Yeah, at that given time and who gave in their votes. So that's cool. Yeah, because I mean, if you have a little bit more order, then that'll kind of reduce the impact of trolls, which is would be nice. I think it's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it's not only fun to see kind of how you can have uh, a group of people that are operating outside of, you know, the normal realm of things that they're used to. I'm sure that people that are doing this game, there's probably some people maybe who are a little older that know, uh, you know, the ins and outs of some investing strategies, but it's interesting to kind of gamify the stock market and um and to have young people take part in that and to like it's almost like a a a, a lesson in in financial literacy or you know or just investing i mean it's it's it, it serves multiple purposes and yeah i'm it's definitely super interesting I, I i'm hoping the idea is is that they can do at least average what would kind of suck is if it was like well we've been doing it for a while and group think is just fucking us over and we kind of lost money on it, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the the way that I tied Twitch Plays Pokemon into some of my research in school was talking about the concept of social capital, which is basically just, I mean, it, it's not a concrete, it's an idea, right? And the, the idea is the combined trust between people and like the increased interaction between people in a community creates social capital, which can then be expended um, if they want to go like maybe lobby the government or they want to set up a club or they want to make a nonprofit. Right. And it used to be that the third space away from work and home was like pubs and coffee shops and cafes. And now we're seeing more and more that like online communities are where this third space is. It's where like, you know, uh, destiny for instance is the place where people hang out and catch up and create social capital. And I think this is just another example of that where, especially in these Discord channels where people are now getting together to strategize, they're meeting each other, they're building trust with each other, they're speaking with each other, and therefore they've created social capital. They've become either friends or, you know, partners or whatever. And it's just an it's just so weird how in the in the eighteen hundreds that was like that was so having a lot of social capital meant having like a thriving society. And now in the, in the, in, in the age that we're in now, it, looking at how that's made is so bizarre, but it's still kind of there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think having like it be real money, but not necessarily your money makes it like have this sort of like weight of importance that's not necessarily like 
as important as it being your own money, but that weight of importance and like reality is still kind of there at the same time too. Mm-hmm. And I think that also kind of influences people's ideas to like really actually take care of this thing. Cause it is something like tangible in the real universe, not just like your data on a video game of some sort. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, it's kind of like a nice little like entry point for, you know, like you said, young people to get exposed to investing with some like relative feeling of, you know, necessity, you know, mm-hmm. and like urgency that comes with actually using stocks and doing that kind of thing as well. It's but. an interesting, it's an interesting uh, thought thinking about like ownership too, right? You're like, well, if we kind of just take this $50,000 that, you know, it might start originally as this guy's, puts it into a, an arena, but it's really other people's efforts and work that are either reducing or increasing the value of this thing, you know, how much how much entitlement do the people that are actually affecting that feel in 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 being a part of that or like even thinking about like taxes you know it's like well you weren't really doing the trading other people are doing the trading you know mm-hmm. it's like how or do people think about long term investing or short term investing you know i mean how do people think about these things whenever it's not your money does it change the way that people invest so yeah i don't know it's a really cool thought experiment i like it yeah yeah man that is really cool so I'm going to go ahead and uh, steal this story a little bit. Uh, this is actually a story that Chase sent me earlier that mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to talk about because it was way more interesting than the story that I had planned. <laughs> uh, but it's from Reuters. Uh, it's going to be, the title is Uber's finance head leaves and company's quarterly loss narrows. Hmm. Uh, so it's going to open it up. Uber Technologies said its head of finance is leaving and the privately held ray, ride hailing company also said that its first quarter loss narrowed substantially from the prior quarter, putting it on a path towards profitability. But if you go a little bit farther down to give you exactly what that means, mm-hmm. uh, on Wednesday, Uber said that its net loss in the first quarter, inc- uh, excluding employee stock compensation and other items, narrowed to $78 million in loss yeah. from $991 million in the fourth quarter. Oh, Jesus. Which is pretty fucking crazy. And yeah. I just kind of wanted to bring this up just because... One, I didn't realize that Uber was kind of in the red so far. You know what I mean? Given everything that's happened, I always thought that it was such a revolutionary company and the fact that it changed how like modern people thought thought about like hailing cabs and thought about like getting rides and everything like that. So I wasn't even aware that they were in such a not dismal because they're definitely, you know, increasing, mm-hmm. but in such a, you know, red area for finance and red area for their company. Right. Um, I did think it was funny though. Also in here that like, apparently the whole niche aspect of Uber is kind of falling off. Cause when I first saw Uber, I remember seeing like executives of the company pretty much like telling off journalists and hmm. saying fucking stupid ass shit that like, like it says in here, Uber, which has been rocked by several high-level executive departures in the past few months hmm. as it grapples with a series of controversies has been looking for a chief operating officer to help change. It's now notorious bro culture behind it because apparently like i remember three or four years ago there was like the head of the uber who like told off and said everybody should go and harass this fucking journalist who like (laughs) shit talked to uber and then everybody literally went everybody literally went to the journalist's house and like fucked with this person right so it was like super (laughs) fucked up but it's a very you know bro thing to do like yo fuck that bitch like everybody go kick your ass bro you know and apparently everyone throw one one. it'll be a lot of eggs i mean yeah but i just think that that's kind of funny one i didn't realize that 
I, I guess this is kind of like the natural thing that would happen with something that's this, like I said, revolutionary when it comes to you know changing how a major system in society works. Mm-hmm. Just actually because obviously when Uber came out. Lyft came out and all these other like, you know, different sort of sub companies that are like Uber, what are supposed to, you know, fix something that's wrong with Uber came out as well. Mm -hmm. So you end up having, you know, after that first, you know, year where they're pretty much go almost un, you know, fucking like nobody's even competitive with them at all. Right. Right. And then in the next year, you're going to have more companies kind of standing up and being like, oh, this is something that we can get a part of and be a part of and change. And then you end up having, you know, a lot more of this competitive nature within the field and maybe they weren't ready for that. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess I really haven't gotten to look much or, or or even over the past few years, I haven't really looked at their financial results or anything. Uh, I would say that speculatively, it seems kind of like the one that it's something that would be really hard to make money on on a local or even like a statewide scale. So the fact that they're finally getting like national, probably international um, infrastructure setup to be able to take this down is probably going to help with that narrowing margin. Um, and then also, I mean, just the fact that, you know, they are, they are the ultimate like market share. They're the ones that started this whole revolution and you know, they, they're investing in future technologies too. I, I think that's what is most exciting for me is that I think that these disruptive companies like your Tesla's and your Uber's, um, are they're starting out in the red mostly because they're not super profit driven it's mostly because they see a vision and they're like all right we're going to try and establish this vision and ultimately the vision should be amazing and you know blow the world over but as long as we can make that vision happen we don't care if we have a shit ton of red leading up to that you know what i mean and i think that's what's exciting about business now whereas before it was everything was kind of like well, if it doesn't, if it's not profitable, it'll go out in two or three years or something. And so there's kind of a change in mindset where, especially like millennials and, and people that are kind of younger coming into these CEO positions are able to kind of invest in things that are going to take a little longer before they start seeing these profits go down. So, yeah. I wanted to ask you too, Hunter, you brought up a story about um, like helicopter uh, hailing. Yeah, they're going to be like doing flying cars. Over and that the- was, yeah. Well, it's just funny because also in here it says that the company on Tuesday fired the technology whiz it hired to lead its self-driving unit. Uh, right, yeah. After he failed to comply with a court order to hand over documents at the center of a legal dispute between Uber and Alphabet, which is essentially Google. Yeah, Google, yeah. So I just thought, you know. Well, like, I think that'll be another big thing in in them. Uh, it'll actually segue nicely into my topic, but <laughs> but but yeah, I mean them going uh, driverless is going to be another thing that's going to start making them profitable because they don't have to pay anyone. But do you think they might be in a little bit over their head considering the fact that they just fired like a big component to that project? Yeah, I mean, you wonder. I I don't. I didn't really know about this bro culture, and I didn't know that they'd been whacked over the head with several executive departures. Twelve um, since February is what it says in there. So 12, Twelve since this February? Since this February. That's in three months. That's fucking outrageous. That's a lot of people yeah, to that's just that's like a dip. huge company shakeup. Yeah. Yeah, so that's like dominoes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Look how they turned out. <laughs> <laughs> pretty okay. Fucking he, awesome. He makes yes. good pizzas now. Fire Hawaiian, I support it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, 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 I'm just, 
I don't really care about how they. I I really don't care that much about <laughs> how they do financially. Like if they, I just kind of want them to be around. I'm glad that they did what they did, and if other people can do what they did as well or better, then cool. But I I think that they have definitely struck a chord as a disruptor in society. Um, and you know if they if they continue uh, venturing into new frontiers like you know your your driverless autonomous uh, transportation. Uh, ride sharing and and even you know like we were speculating before going into the air doing that that whole deal i mean that would be fucking awesome but i don't really care if it's uber specifically like for some reason over the years i've gained like a little bit of like oh i still kind of like apple and i like microsoft and all this kind of stuff i haven't really had any attachment to uber specifically for whatever reason yeah so i think you just want like you know, ride hailing companies to stick around, which I don't think that's an issue at all. I think this is kind of coming out of the idea of just yeah. them not kind of holding Austin that monopoly Austin finally brought it, it back. Yeah. yeah. Good job, Austin. Yeah, man. No, oh, man. Yeah, I don't have much to add. I think you guys covered it pretty well. Um, I think just for me, it's always shocking to hear about companies that I that are in the mainstream like consciousness, and then hearing that they are not profitable to such extreme degrees. It's always it's shocking to hear. Yeah, definitely very strange. Well, you said it segued into your story pretty well, Hunter. How might that actually be? Yeah. So <laughs> this is this is not really. It's a it's a, a amalgamation of news stories uh, as well as kind of a little mix of a conversation piece. So it can go wherever y'all want it to go. But um, I I read an article that said a three hundred page report was released by Merrill Lynch in November, which estimates the global market for robots and AI will grow from $28 billion to more than $150 billion just five years from now. There's also a UN report recently that says that uh, over the next 20 or so years that almost like 66% of jobs could be automated. Or they could be, right? Not that they will. What was that percentage? It was like two-thirds. Of the... Wow. Of, of jobs. current jobs? Yes. Of the job market. Two-thirds? Um, it seems grossly Maybe by like 2050. And so um, I compiled a list from some of these articles I was reading uh, that, that make sense as far as, you know, sectors that are going to be ridiculously uh, impacted by automation and robotics. Uh, you got manufacturing. You got financial investing. Uh even stuff like housekeeping, like washing clothes, like dishes, super, mowing lawns. Super uh, Roombas, you know, just all yeah, around. Like going your walls and your ceiling. Yeah, dude. Going your bed. Transportation, obviously, right? Um, medicine and surgery, even like diagnosing people. Um, yeah, agriculture, and then even like the military, you know? I mean, these are all huge public sectors that employ uh, the labor and service of hundreds of millions of people and they have the potential to be as precise as our technology allows and kind of go outside of the hands of hum of the human realm. Um, so really my topic and my, my news thing is about that and saying, have y'all thought about that at all? Like, does that ever worry you? Like, do you ever think like, man, I wonder if what I'm doing right now could be automated. Like, as an accountant, I can see how my job right now could be automated. Yeah. Um, really? I mean, what, what, is, what is this? 
where I think these automation uh, automations break down is when it comes to decision making, right? Like, do you feel mm-hmm. like there's not a lot of decision making in your job? I mean, I know that, you know, a lot of you, you spend a, an, uh, like where a lot of your skills are creating like very elaborate spreadsheets with a lot of formulas that really break information down and stuff like that. Right. Um, which, yeah, I could see something like that maybe being automated. You'd have mm-hmm. to have a really smart AI to be able to define the parameters of what you want. But is there not a de- like a, a heavy part of your job is is not is that not like decision making that you think maybe couldn't be automated? No. Yeah. And, and I think for higher level accounting. Yeah. Right. Like if if you've been in the sector and been doing it and have a lot of experience, then in a sense, it like even if I think about my personal situation, this kind of stuff is going to be really exploding over the next like 10 to 15 years, which means that I'll be probably around 40 and I'll have a lot of experience at that point, which means really I'm just going to be having these super awesome tools at my disposal and I can make really value-driven decisions with those tools. But then you think about like, well, what did it take for me to get here? It took me sitting in the freaking Microsoft Excel spreadsheet crunching out the numbers, doing the, the, the labor grunt work, right? That's what helped me get to where I am. And so it's like, well, then what do incoming accountants fucking learn? How are they going to know how to make big league decisions, you know, that take years and years of experience and, and, and study to be able to do the same thing? Um, so I feel like I'm kind of fortunate. I'm going to be on the back end of it. But even still, like, you know, an audit is basically just documentation, testing, and adhering to compliance and regulations. And that sounds totally automatable. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, if they wanted to, they totally could. Yeah. When, it, when it comes to your question of, is it something we think about? Is it something we're afraid of? Um, when it comes to like a personal outlook, I am not afraid. I don't think my job is automatable in the least bit. Like, I think my job is literally nothing but decision making. And I don't think you can automate creativity. And I think that's largely what video games are. Uh, like when you come right down to it is game design is creating a game, right? That takes some sort of creative thinking. Um, but when I think about automation as like a larger social issue, I, it does it does scare the shit out of me. And I honestly don't really know how to quantify my feelings about it because as someone who has a pretty codified philosophy about what man should be able to earn and keep for himself and the ethics of that. I think that kind of stuff is really turned on its head when you have an automated society, you know, like I've been in conversations with Ahmed where we talked about if the vast majority of the economy was automated and he was like, I think at that point you would need some sort of fixed income for from everybody. And when I hear the word fixed in- income, like to me that that's like red flags. Like my immediate reaction is is to say like, fuck that. Like that's the antithesis of what I would believe in. Mm -hmm. Granted, I know that there are serious fixed income movements that are popping up nowadays. And I need to admit that I haven't even uh, engaged with them. And I really need to, like, I really, even if I still come at the, come out the other side, hating the idea of it, I need to at least engage with it. So I understand what the arguments are. But I really do see widespread automation as a source of serious social restructuring. And that is scary. That, that is, 
that is always the the environment for violence and the environment for losing rights and losing freedom, you know, any yep. sort of social upheaval. Right. And so that is scary. Yep. Um, something else I do want to add just briefly is when I hear AI in a lot, in the context of these articles, I'm usually thinking kind of in a more science fiction driven, romanticized, yep. um, mode of thought where I'm like literally artificial intelligence, right. Where something is conscious. Right. Right. But I don't think that's always the case here. And I always have to remind myself of the context of what AI means in a video game and, a, and an AI in a video game is just a set of programmed behavior that an object has. Right. Right. An AI in a game is just, when these things happen, this is how our our object is programmed to react, you know? Mm-hmm. And in the biggest video games, you have very complicated AI that acts in ways that are very exciting and interesting. And in basic games, you have very basic AI. So um, I just think that's also worth throwing in there that when, when we hear the word AI in these articles, especially in the context of the future, it's not they're not necessarily, necessarily saying like in five to 10 years, we're going to have conscious robots. It's just that we're going to have very sophisticated um, behavioral pattern. Like we're going to be able to make objects behave in very sophisticated ways, you know? Yep. What are your thoughts, Max? Well, as you know, a restaurant server, I could easily see my job being automated, right? Really? Easily, right? So That's you don't easy. think that that human I, yeah, interaction... Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, just I think, think like, that one's one where I'm 50-50. Like, yeah, I'm it can 50/50 be done. But it can be. Yeah, exactly. Like, like if it's like Whataburger, okay, I don't give a shit. Yeah, duh, right? no But problem. if I'm going to Hubble and Hudson, yeah, I'm not going to want to talk to that, a robot. You like, yeah, you might want that maxi... Maxi Swagger. I don't want table. that brief art. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a kind of an all-inclusive deal. <laughs> don't bend over. Don't uh, trigger yourself. And then as a future sign language interpreter, I feel pretty safe because I can't see a uh, machine being a sign language interpreter. But maybe. See, I can you know? see that one. Yeah, really? that sounds real easy, man. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, we already have like apps. Signals. We already have apps on our phone that can like take um, information from the camera and localize it in real time you know I, I honestly feel like it it wouldn't be it doesn't sound that far off to speak to a machine and have it speak back to you in a different way you know i think and, it, and like yeah. we, we can already articulate machines to like the nth degree when it comes to, to locomotion but it but it comes back to true. human interaction right like being a sign like be a like asl right like being somebody who's going to teach that that's something that's maybe a little different Right, yeah, like, like a teacher is having a different. human interaction and having somebody relate to you is something that we're still pretty far off from. We might have AI that can accomplish that like 50 years from now, but things like right. teachers, I would even say waiters at high end restaurants and stuff. I, w- I would say that those are actually fairly, you know, but I think, I think the big argument with like waiters and like even hospitality jobs is just the fact that you are paying for hospitality, you're paying for ambiance, you're paying. Yeah. To be pampered by another person, you know, and I and so I think there is a degree there that cannot be replaced. Yep. Yeah, I guess that would be true as well. So I think we. I think those both. people would be phased out of society. Yeah. You know, like after they're like after that generation moves up through the ranks and into the fucking grave, then the ones beforehand aren't even going to be exposed to that. So then, yes, you know, eventually it could go away. But yeah, I don't think that they would even understand like the importance of hospitality or like what or why it's important. Because I wouldn't even claim that like being over hospitable is that important really in the grand scheme it's, of things. It's I think moving it is towards, socially. Yeah. It's moving towards away from or away I, from it. Right. There's a lot of, which is you know, something that you where I definitely agree with expressed you know? that 
you've also expressed that you don't like the sterile environment, which it's like, who does? I mean, yeah, nobody likes. We like being human and feeling human. I like laughing. Yeah. How can you recreate laughter? <laughs> Automation. <laughs> Right, so I guess the Witty Banner podcast is gonna be fine. Nobody can automate these fucking. Hey, jobs. no one can automate that shit. Right? How can you fucking rate a beer with this precision of human <laughs> intellect? I don't really think that you can. But that, yeah. I mean, that's what's that's what's that's what's interesting, right? Is there are things like universal basic income, right, which are being touted by like really fucking smart, influential people, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg. These people are going to have millennials. And people trying to get behind those trains. Is it the right thing? I don't know. It really just sounds kind of... It's not worked out in my mind. Yeah. Uh, there's also... There's also... The... Yeah, like you were saying. Like, it's a social reworking of one, what it means to be human. And two, like, what are we going to do with our time? Some people think it's going to be great, right? Like, as we move into the future, a lot of people are saying, like, well, we need less stuff. Um, our phone can do things that it took like 70 different devices to do 30 years ago, right? And, and it's increasingly being a little bit more like there, it's a less possessive state of, uh, of living, right? And so we'll be open to more like everything will be kind of like automated and we can just go around like doing creative shit. It'll be like a creative renaissance. Cool, that sounds cool. But then it's like, really, we're not going to have to like really dig down deep and like really like I, like I think stuff like sports will be around right like who wants to fucking watch robots as much <laughs> as you watch humans like have sports and and acting and those kinds of things so like you can still apply yourself deeply but yeah things like how how are people gonna how are people gonna transition out of having a lifestyle where they've their whole life has been like farming and now farming is automated or like you know and like that that sort of desperation is what drove, I think, this most recent like political surge into kind of crazy hysteria. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's I I kind of worry about it more than I'm excited about it, right? Like, I oh, tend yeah. to be a little bit more skeptical and cynical about it, but it's still a really exciting thing to try and see how it's going to work out. I don't know. It's just it's just when you hear about what it is and what the potential is, it would just take such a smooth. <laughs> transition to actually get there and i just know how the world works you know and like when you see fucking texas ban tesla from selling their fucking car in the state <laughs> just that level of egregious power mongering corruption then no i don't really have a lot of faith that this shit's just gonna work out the way that it should work out you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like people that are losing their jobs are gonna be like yeah okay that's fine like yeah. nobody's gonna fucking be up for that and that's probably going to be like jobs that are more easily automatable are going to be like lower income jobs probably most likely first mm -hmm. right and then it's going to cause a more you know a bigger disconnect between you know fucking poverty lines and high class and low class and that's just going to cause a whole bunch of problems that was that was one of the things that the UN report I didn't really get to read a lot about it but or, or actually it was I think maybe the Merrill Lynch report one of the two they um they were saying that you would think that it would be kind of like worse on the jobs in like America, but it's really like the third world countries that are getting fucked because we're like outsourcing them for labor in a lot of these instances. And so like the kind of menial, menial, easier jobs are just being like skipped over. And those people haven't even gotten to like experience the wealth 
that I guess like us going through that same process maybe a hundred years ago, we eventually reached. Now they're just being skipped over because of that. So yeah, I don't know. And, and it's really right. interesting too because like this isn't like a right wing versus left wing thing. Like you have people that are for yeah. universal. I mean, it, I mean, it is if you're fucking like forty five and. Yeah, I mean, Sorry, like, I was... and you have like you have people that are across lines that see different outcomes. Like you have people that are really business savvy, maybe fiscally conservative, that are like, we need universal basic income because technology is gonna fucking overthrow the future. And then you have other people who are. Maybe a little more liberal, but then they're like, no, that's fucked up because I think we can find out something outside of it. You know, it's like, it's kind of even crosses polit- political lines. So I don't know. It's just, it's an exciting time to see what will go down, but it's also like really, it is a huge, it's like the biggest question mark in my opinion. So I don't know. I just thought I'd bring it up. It was a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Fantastic conversation. We've had some pretty good conversations, but how about we just take a moment of silence? <laughs> And think about this beer, come back, and maybe give it like a halftime report or something. I thought like you were going to say for the leg that was lost <laughs> on this <laughs> yeah, lab. That's true, yeah. Let's just think about <laughs> this lab and what it has to go through now and how, you know, pampered we are with is, four limbs, you know? right? We'll think about that too during the little break. So we'll uh, come on back with a halftime report and a little bit of a beat up beep boop. And a pit up a beep. Beep. If you want to keep up with the show after the microphones have turned off, be sure to follow us on social media by searching Witty Banter Show on Twitter and Instagram and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Want to steer the conversation or be a part of the show? Just go on down to wittybantershow.com and leave us a suggestion for a beer or a question for us to answer on the show. And if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review and feel free to share it with your friends. Let's get back to it. I feel like because I go first, I automatically like set this tone, this constant of music. Not very. No, 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 no. Of just like of beeps. Like it's not my beeps seem so less interesting because you guys hear my beep. And then you build like on that the beep foundation more. upon which we like this flourish. is the bass beep, and then you guys get weird with the beep, <laughs> and then my I beep mean, always ends up sounding like a fucking well. It's funny because first graders beep, but whenever we actually jump into the news, I always start it. I always start the beep. So do you feel? Yeah. The same so where's beep pressure? What's the fucking excuse, bud? <laughs> my excuse? I don't yeah. feel the pressure. I feel like mine are always original. <laughs> Maybe it's just no, me. Man, Maybe I'm just naturally you're born. Is the first real responsibility on your shoulders of being the <laughs> host, oh man. That's called ownership. I swear, it's like talking to my grandpa about this. I'm like, I remember when I used to be there. I my did beeps used different. to be so original. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But we're back uh, beyond the beeps. We've been drinking this beer as well. Dude, oh, my beyond God. The when beeps. is Witty Banter having a special called Witty Banter Beyond the Beeps? <laughs> yeah, beyond Amazing. the Beeps, man. That's great. Was it just like a deep cut about yeah, our personal that's, lives? That's the documentary memoir of Witty Banter. Witty yeah. Banter, Beyond the Beeps. Beyond the Beeps, man. That's perfect. Uh, but Beyond the Beeps today is going to be this this stout, which I will just start off in saying that like I I want this beer to open up more to me. So I cautiously stopped drinking it as fast as I was before mm-hmm. because for being an Imperial stout and being as cold as it was when we had it initially, it was like, like all stouts. It's going to be easier to drink at that point. Usually, mm-hmm. right? The mountains were blue, you know, <laughs> it's good to go. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
So I was, I was, I'm glad you laughed. What an insult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was, yeah, I mean, I I was drinking it pretty quickly, but I still, even at this point, like whether my beer is still too cold or what, I haven't seen anything really like jump out different than it did at the beginning of the show. So I don't know if you guys feel differently about that. Yeah. I mean, I would just say that like the profile for me is just like super chocolatey and while it's, I think it was 70 IBUs, so it, it has like a little bit of bitter kick in it. It's got a massive alcoholic punch, in my opinion. Like, it's kind of stingy, like, or not stingy, stingy, whenever you have it. Um, yep. I really like it. I mean, it's, it's, it's what I hope for when I say Imperial Stout, man. It's alcoholic, it's dark, it's thick. Um, so it, it's, it's exactly what it was advertising. I think it, it's just... It's really just kind of going on those bold punches, like punch of chocolate, punch of alcohol, you know, malty. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Punch of this, punch of that. A little bit of that. Black eye. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Like a punch to the face. (laughs) Or a bile jet to the face. Bile jet to the face. Yeah, one of the most underrated movies. Yeah, and quotes. Yeah. I, I was doing the same thing as you, Max, where I was like, I'm going to not drink this so much in the front half and then really get after it in the back. And my first taste back on it, like, it stung almost. <laughs> like, it, it is, it's gotten much sweeter, but it is just fucking big. It's just, it's very alcoholic and it's, it is insanely chocolatey. Like it is the, <laughs> no. it is, it's bitter chocolate, right? Like right. dark, dark chocolate, chocolate. Some cocoa which is my there. favorite type of chocolate. And I think it works super well for this beer. Um, it has bitterness to it just to interact and counter and counterbalance the sweetness. But it also has that sort of dark licorice place in the, in the flavor profile as well. So you're like, getting licorice, huh? Yeah, and, and not in the sense that, like, imagine, if you will, some black liquid. Dip a Twizzler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, what's what's just changed for me the most has actually just been the, the mouthfeel. Like, I can't give you much on flavor profile, but as it's warm now, and it just feel it's still a very thick drink, but the warmth of the temperature combined with, like, the very, like, the high warmth of the alcohol, it just feels different in my mouth now and hopefully i'll be able to put that into words a little bit better towards the end but uh i think this beer does have complexity to it you know despite the boldness mm. in its flavors there's still just some depth to it i don't know okay yeah. well we still got another half of the show to go through so maybe it'll use that time to open up a little bit more to me but <laughs> uh i've been playing Injustice 2 a lot lately. Yeah. Right? I've been playing this game a lot. You guys know me. I love fighting games. But one of the biggest pulls of this game is this resurgence of like this superhero feeling that I've been feeling <laughs> lately, right? So oh, naturally. You feel like a superhero, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Just that part about one, I empowers feel, yeah, me. It empowers me to feel like a superhero when I'm wrecking Something everybody. about XX triangle. And yeah. Something about the square. Yeah. Three button fighting games are just fucking awesome. Right? But also, it, uh, you know, inspired me to. You know, look into my my superhero history just a little bit. Mm. So naturally, the only way I, I, I know it's ever, coming. you know, satisfy that urge is to bring back the classic, one of my favorite games to both perform and research. Mm-hmm. Heroes or zeros. 
throw down your sword and bend the knee. <laughs> Wait till you see my full power. Prepare yourself for a thousand fists. If no one else will do this, I will. God damn it. All right. You guys ready for this? This is a classic game. The last one went off so well. I was so proud of it. Yeah. I tested Stolen this one me. the same way. Uh, the results were the same. So hopefully it'll end up being that way. Most of your show. competitive architecture on the show recently has been top notch. Good. I hope that continues. It tends to be. <laughs> that's, that's where I thrive, you know? All right. So just to kind of hash out how the game works a little oh, bit. Oh, uh-huh. oh. The details. I'm going to start us off with the reigning champ. It's been a while since... What was the last game that we played? The Google game? Ooh, I can't even remember. It was the Google game. Yeah, we discussed something last time. I Top won whatever threes. the last one was, I think. You won. It's been a it while. It was Google game. Okay, so that if, if you won, then... Y'all make you start it off. Because okay. that way, Chase has a competitive advantage. Because I won it that way. Okay. You, know, you always got to, you know... Let the number two seed get that opportune time to claim the throne. Okay. So in this game, I'm going to give you, you know, a superhero. I'm going to break them down. I'm going to give you their superhero name, their real name, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the comic book of origin in which they were made and the year and date, as well as a breakdown with a power description of them. That can be, you know, you know, two or three sentences for the most part. Okay. All right. And then after I ask you, the second person in this case, Chase, will be able to either agree with you or disagree with you, okay? Mm-hmm. Offering up some flexibility for points, you know? That kind I'm already of thing, excited right? for the background music I'm going to yeah. put into this. You're already this thinking game. about it? That's yeah. good. That's all you're thinking about? You should probably True, produ- True producer. You should probably, yeah. 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 You should probably focus on the oh, wait, fucking I, game. I can't even hear. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to start it off with you, all right? I'm ready. Now that everybody knows <laughs> the rules. I'm just like done with asking questions because every <laughs> time I ask questions, business. like Hunter and his rules. <laughs> Sorry, I want clarification, right. guys. <laughs> All right, we're gonna start it off strong. Hunter, your superhero, bouncing boy, <laughs> bouncing boy. Okay. Real name: Charles Foster Tane. 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 T A I N E. Okay. First appearance. DC's Action Comics, number 276 of May, 1961. Okay. After accidentally drinking a super plastic formula he mistook for soda, (laughs) Tane gained the ability to inflate like a giant ball and bounce around. This combination of invulnerability and velocity makes him a surprisingly useful member of the Legion of Superheroes. (laughs) That's bouncing boy. (laughs) Yeah, he's best used with a companion. Like Thor just throws his ass yeah, at somebody. Yeah, boom, <laughs> hits him. It's like one of those giant fucking balls that you sit He's on. He's like an indestructible ball. Exactly. Okay. Bouncing ball, if you will. Because oh. he is a bouncing boy. It's Yeah, it's not just your flat ball here. <laughs> so, Hunter, you have the first guess. Is this a hero or is this a zero? Okay. Um, so we, we, don't like, get, we don't get backstory anymore, which is, I think, where the real creative finesse comes, but that's fine. Oh, it, no, you, I mean, you will, usually. Yeah. yeah, some of them will be. Sometimes. I told you about how he drank a super plastic formula he mistook for soda. Oh, yeah. He's a part of the Legion of Superheroes. So what got me last time we played this game <laughs> was zeroing in on specificity and thinking that you weren't capable of it. <laughs> yeah, well. And then being like, well, that's so specific. A Constantine Marvel crossover. Yeah, so you and were then I'm like, that can't me. be right. And then you're like, made that out by my ass. So 
Tain sounded like a really specific name. Yeah, fuck you, by the way. And this that. sounds like a real, like, I'm really not sure. I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to say it's a real superhero. It sounds like a real superhero. It's a real superhero. Chase, on over to you. What you I mean, thinking? it's tough because Bouncing Boy is a dumb name. But it's the 60s. It is the 60s. It's a dumb era, you know, but at the same time like bouncing boy like it's it's it is old-school superhero Yeah, golden age golden age convention, but like his power feels like is on a it's honestly like a hindrance to his own life Like once you've inflated and all you can do is roll and bounce like what the fuck you're only You're only helpful when someone else is using you yeah. Now, when you're talking about zooming in on specificity, I feel you. Because I'm thinking, why is Max giving this dude three names? Yeah, why would I Something give Foster names? Tane. It's a little too much for me. Mm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, this is a toss-up. Yeah, it really super, is. If it's real, it's fucking dumb. <laughs> but it's I'm going to go with... I, I'm going to go with zero. You're going to go with zero on this. Uh Hunter takes the lead. Always happens this way. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You're a late bloomer. Oh, man. Yeah, it's all right, man. Don't worry about it. All right. I got another one it here for you. happens to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, rough start. You can always come back in the series. Uh, all right, Chase. I got one for you. You're going to start us off on this one, all right? Actually, wait. You can defer to him. Does he want yeah, to start Yeah, do you want to start us off or you want to not start us off? You have the choice. I'll start. Okay. Your superhero or super zero, his name is Color Kid. <laughs> Real name, Uluvak. That's U L U space V A K K. First appearance was in DC's Adventure Comics number 303 in December of 1962. This guy's power is going to. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's uh, Adventure Comics number 342. Okay. In March 1966. His power, while assisting a scientist on his home planet, Lupra, Vac was struck by a beam of multicolored light from another dimension, granting him his singular superpower, the ability to change the color of any object. Vac hmm. attempted to join the Legion of Superheroes, but was rejected due to the subsequent uselessness of his power. It's hmm. pretty specific. Is Max that smart? <laughs> Would he think of something that smart to put in? Whoa. Max yeah, like, yeah. knows how to use adjectives. <laughs> yeah. The spider webs of his brain, man. Can't, can't untangle it. <laughs> so what are you, what are you thinking? I'm kind of glad you're going first. I want to hear, <laughs> your, hear your logic here. <laughs> what's, what's the skin color of this guy? The skin color? Uh, from what I remember, it's white. Uh, he looks like a white male. But then again, it was, you know. Did you say he was from a different planet? Yes. Okay. He does look like a like a boy or a kid. Okay. He's but a he white is. dude with a name like that. A white dude with a, a name. It's a different planet. Like hey man. Yeah. Look at Superman. Ka Krypton, El. dude. Krypton El. looks nothing different than us. <laughs> dude, Kalo. this is Kipa. this is <laughs> this I is hate perfect. this game. This game rules. <laughs> it's actually kind of stressful. <laughs> it is. This is preposterous. Because it's like, wow, what what could that guy even do with a power like that? But then you're like, well, he wasn't even allowed into the justice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the power sucks so bad. Double well, loophole. Mm. I'm gonna say hero, dude. He's a hero. It's a real hero. Yeah. Color don't kid? fucking ask me anymore. <laughs> Just move on. Can't Home stand the way you <laughs> respond to my fucking answers. Yeah. It makes me feel very insecure. 
<laughs> Alrighty. Um, I'm gonna say zero. You don't think color code's real? Why? So my first intimation was because you said it was episode 342. Uh, yes. The previous one was in 1961. It was 267. And this is in 1966, which is five years later, only 70 episodes down the down the log, right? I hate to like just try to cover my tracks or whatever, but it's action comics and adventure comics. Oh, two different series. Okay. So in case that. I, yeah, I guess it's like why. I was why, pretty meticulous about making it's sure It's like the why do you even runs. bring somebody in if they're not going to be, if their plot is curtailed like that? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm going to, I'm gonna, and Uluvok, I think I could come up with that name. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. Well, Hunter, That's maybe very, you, Hunter, maybe you should go work at DC Comics <laughs> because it is a real hero. <laughs> and if you can think up such creative stuff like Ulu Vak, <laughs> what's up, dude? Oh man. Okay. I thought right. that name sounded quite adventurous. So. Yes. There we go. Perfect. All right. Hunter. Not as action oriented as Bubble Butt. What are the Bubble fuck Butt? Was, but. Yeah, <laughs> Bubble Butt from Action Comics. <laughs> All right, Hunter. We're on over to you. Okay. Because it's even, which means that we got to go back to the original origin. Got you. Right. Your hero and or zero, or just or zero, <laughs> his name is Speedball. <laughs> Real name, Robert. Speedball. Robbie Baldwin. <laughs> First appearance was in Marvel's The Amazing Spider-Man, annual number 22, in January 1988. So pretty late in the game. After an encounter with radiation by an unknown form of energy, Robbie gained the ability to form a kinetic field <laughs> around himself that absorbs kinetic energy and reflects it with an even greater force. Hence, if he is struck or if he struck a wall, he would travel in a greater velocity in the opposite direction in a similar fashion to a pinball. What's his name again? Baldwin. Speedball. Speedball. Is it Steve Baldwin? It's Robert. Robert Baldwin. Robbie. Robert Robbie Baldwin. Because I, I like the ball in Baldwin. It makes sense, right? Yeah. It's clever, if you will. Am I clever enough to think of such I a... I don't know. <laughs> I, always, I always put clever in between Max Clever Scott. Yeah. Um, so his, his, his deal is that he can reflect forces and intensify them, increase the magnitude of them. You got it. Okay. Um. Outside of that, can I can I rehear a little bit about his backstory? If there's anything oh, else, sure. um, the only thing that I have written is that uh, he got his powers after a encounter with radiation by an unknown form of energy. Hmm, that's very vague. It's incredibly vague. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't think that Max would leave it that vague. I'm gonna say it's real. I think he's going to do the triple dip on us my tracks? and do three <laughs> real ones in dip? a row. Uh, he's going to give us three scoops, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the real question here is, did Max triple dip? <laughs> Nobody is quite sure. Now, look, here's the thing. This is a, this is a Marvel comic, right? Or Spider-Man DC. Uh, I'm, uh, it's Marvel. Marvel's The Amazing Spider-Man annual yeah. number 22. And you mentioned kinetic energy. We've already got a Marvel hero that uses kinetic energy. Oh my, energy! Yeah, because there's zero Gambit. overlap of all the Marvel <laughs> comic books. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Gambit's covering that pretty well, or is he? He's just I the more go popular zero. version. 
You're going to say zero? Zero. I got to say zero, dude. Three differing answers every time. I like your guys' competitive nature. It's yeah. really working for the show. Uh, more so for Hunter than Chase. Woo! What the fuck? Because <laughs> that is most definitely... Triple dupe. A real hero. I can't stand the fucking meta game of, is Max crazy enough to do it? Is he going to do them all the same? <laughs> that's all this game really is. <laughs> Seriously, all it is, dude. But that's what it comes back to in Metal or Magic, too. It's like, is he going to do five magic the cards in a row? The first time I ever hit you guys with the seven or whatever all fucking cards, I forget what it was, but really shaked it up for you guys. For that yeah, future, man. Which is good. <laughs> I'm probably this is hit why you. he has like some slight edges yeah. when it comes to like fighting games and shit. Because it's just <laughs> like, man, how am I gonna predict head, this asshole? Dude. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. So it's uh, which means that Chase, you have you're you're down. Okay, it's two one. Yeah. Is it to five? To, yeah, or we'll out do, of out of five? We'll do yeah, we'll do first to five. That's fine, right? Is that fair? Okay, I mean, if I if I get the next one, then I win. It's game point for me. I meant first two five. Like first two five. Okay, wow, you got a lot then. I mean, I can keep it short. I'm up for Let's whatever. Do first of four. Do first of four. First, first of four. Four. Okay. Got it. All right, Chase. Do you want to go first? Do you want to go second? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Let's go. You want to go first? All right, Chase. Your hero or zero is Wizard. That's W-H-I-C-Z-E-R. <laughs> Fuck that. Wizard. <laughs> Real name, <laughs> Robert Frank. <laughs> Shut up. Sorry. Okay. <clears throat> First appearance was in well, Marvel. That's pretty funny, isn't it, Max? Yeah, you came up with a really good name, didn't you? Or did I? Robert or does Frank it sound sure so fucking plain. stupid? Uh, anyway, The Wizard, real name Robert Frank. First appearance in Marvel's USA Comics number one in August number of 1941. One. Yeah, USA Comics number one. USA Comics. The Wizard. What you? the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Let the man speak. Yeah, please. All right. Uh, while visiting Africa, Frank underwent a transfusion of mongoose blood. And in order. <laughs> 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 mongoose blood. <laughs> Shut the. No. <laughs> okay. While visiting in Africa, Frank underwent a transfusion of mongoose blood in order to save himself from a cobra bite. When he returned to the U.S., he realized that he had gained superhuman speed and reflexes, not unlike a mongoose. From what? The, and the, the, the cobra or the mongoose? And decided to use his powers to fight crime. Do <laughs> uh, you just, need me to re-say that? Or you this got is that? so fucking preposterous. <laughs> that it's got to be something. I mean, the description alone is ridiculous. The name is stupid as shit. The name of the superhero is especially dumb, but, but the fact this is like a number one entry in a series, and they're gonna fucking kick <laughs> off the with pilot. a blizzard. <laughs> and it's not even like, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're probably trying to replicate the success of like Superman. They're probably gonna go with their own man or something like yeah. that. The wizard doesn't ring. I mean, he's a speedy guy. I'm, he's kind of like the Flash. Look, I'm only going to say zero. So that I can inevitably fucking hate myself when this ends up being real. But I have to say zero. Yeah. Because I, I have yeah. to say this is a hero. I think this is so dumb that I think it's just a horrible failure. Yeah. Oh wait, what are you? What are you? Gonna I'm say? gonna say it's a hero. I think it's a real, a real hero. This is indeed a hero. <laughs> this sucks. The wizard is fucking real. 
<laughs> Fucking Robert Frank. Yeah. He's a mongoose, dude. All right, gang. Yeah, dude, I got mongoose blood. So I got three to one. <laughs> I got bit by this fucking cobra, and they happened to have this mongoose nearby, and just fucking put his blood right in. Call me, myself dude. the wizard, dude. Don't even fuck with me. Uh, so I got fucking superpower. Uh, all right, which means we are now on game point. Yeah. yeah. You know what that means? Is that you can't win, Hunter, by duplicating his answer. I'm just gonna throw that out there, right? Ooh, okay. That's not fair. Because then, so if Chase know, wins out, can I? Can I? We'll go back and forth that way. You can't win on a serve, dude. I guess I can't, I can't lose Does on that a mean serve. I can't choose his answer even if I think he's right? Yeah, it's kind of the, like, yeah, so I'll be, I'm going to start going back, and you guys will have your own individual answers now because I don't want you copying his answer because in that sense you could guarantee a win, right? Okay, That's so does he have his own and I have my own? I'll go back to you for another one, and we'll go back to you for one, and go back and we'll go back okay. and forth, all right? Okay. That way you get a fair shot. Okay. All right, fair? Yep. Because this is three to one, which means i got to serve it up here. Okay. Yeah, I like how this is going. All right. Let's uh, quintuple dip here, buddy. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okie dokie here. Let me find a good one. All right, Chase. You ready? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Your hero or zero. Armadillo Man. Armadillo Man. Real name, Cameron Wood. First appearance, Marvel's Daredevil, number 17, April 1966. Power. After learning how to fully communicate with his fleet of trained armadillos, Wood began using them to commit crimes and robberies all across Hell's Kitchen. Dude, I fucking hate you. He is able to militarize his armadillos with precise commands, using them as either destructive spinning bowling balls or even wearing them around his body, giving him super strength and a nearly indestructible suit of armor. That's preposterous. <laughs> is it, Chase? When did, when, did, when did he get introduced into the series? Uh, 1966, Daredevil. When, Daredevil was that fucking far back? Oh, yeah. Daredevil was, yeah. Daredevil's old school, baby. Old school. Remember God they had Stiltman and... You don't know this, dude? Yeah, come on, bro. <laughs> Cameron Wood, fine. Armadillo Man, fine. Does he have, like, does he wear armored shirts and shit? Cool. No, he's got a horde <laughs> of trained fucking armadillos. Fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what to do, dude. I'm paralyzed, <laughs> right? You're panicking. I'm panicking. I gotta play the meta, dude. I'm gonna I gotta say hero because I think you're on a fucked up roll. Are <laughs> <laughs> uh, you gonna say hero? Just I'll out say of hero. just out of curiosity, what would you have said? In reality, like outside of his, his viewpoint. I'm on viewpoint? the same I'm on the same train mostly as Chase, where like Armadillo Man sounds plausible. The Army of armadillos does not. I'm gonna say zero. You I don't understand zero. how that would translate to superhuman strength yeah. or anything. So, let me just tell you, I made that guy up. He's not real. <laughs> there is no armadillo man chase. <laughs> it's still three to one, which means Hunter, you can take it on this next. I'm one. reading your mind right now, man. I'm in. Oh, I'm in your head. <laughs> this is yeah. This is nuts. <laughs> All right, here you go, Hunter. You ready for it? Chaw. Dextar. Dextar? It's Dex hyphen star. Oh, Dex star. Okay. Real name, Dexter. (laughs) Okay. First appearance, DC's Final Crisis, Rage of the Red Lanterns, number one. 
December 2001. Dexter was once an ordinary house cat by the name of Dexter. When he returned home one day to find that it's a, a fucking a fucking army of armadillos and then mongoose blood transfusion. One of them is real. Anyway. Sorry. I'm Dex- sorry. Yeah. He's bitter. Dexter was once an ordinary house cat by the name of Dexter. When he returned home one day to find that his owner had been killed in a burglary. Dexter was overcome with rage, so much so that a red power ring was able to sense it and find him, turning him into a red lantern. If you're not sure, a red lantern. So, like, you know, this is the kind of shit, though, dude. Right? Like, it sounds okay, but then it turns out the main character is a fucking cat. So you're telling me that the comic book opens up on a house cat, and at some point in time, the panel is like, all right, now the house cat's really mad. So you're gonna have to draw this really pissed off house cat. But then red lanterns are fucking made up of all types of weird shit. So who knows, dude? Oh my god. God. Yeah. This is my fucked up. Hurts. Red lanterns are like Green Lantern, only powered by rage instead of hope. That's the idea. Okay, so is it a villain? Uh, yeah, usually Red Lanterns are villains. I mean, okay. how can you okay. be a rageful person and not be fighting for probably well, something? Well, you know, bad. you got some rageful heroes. You yeah, you got some ragey heroes. Um, <laughs> so that's it, right? He just he, there's a red ring that that noticed a cat's rage. <laughs> yes, yeah. that that is it, Hunter. He's a fucking cat. <laughs> is it you on Earth? <laughs> it is on Earth. I will give you that. Okay, it's, uh, it's 2001. I got. I mean, it, I, I got 2001. I gotta say, it's it's not real. I mean, that's that's so late in the game for them to come up with such to a come bad up idea. With I'm gonna say it's I'm gonna say it's a zero. Would you have said the same, Chase? Just out of no, I would have said hero. I think the fact that it's a lantern gives it a a, a fucking popcorn farts chance <laughs> that it could actually be that a fucking cat. A real hero. Yeah, I, I feel that. Um, if you've played Injustice Two. Atrocitus' ability is actually to call in Dexstar. Oh, wow. His also Red Lantern cat. Yo. <laughs> That's a real thing. That's a Does real thing. Does the cat fuck there. shit up? The cat throws out some red bean balls that makes for some sick fucking mix-ups. <laughs> but other than that, right, he we're also st- provides a preposterous storyline yeah. as well. <laughs> well. We're stuck at 3-1 right three now. 3-1 still. Yeah, we're keeping I'm glad. I like to keep the game going as much Why as you possible. Give me that point. He's got, that, he's got a novel of yeah. research. That he's shuffling yeah. through for all you listeners. Yeah, man. All right. Mad Chase. plot max. Let's see here. All right, Chase. I got one here for you. You ready for it? Yep. Kid Palmer. Kid Palmer. Real name John Palmer. First appearance. DC's Strange Adventures, number 247, in October of 1971. Power and description. Palmer controls the apparition of his younger self, Kid Palmer, who causes mischief around New York City. The apparition can fly, move through walls, possess people, and manipulate its surroundings to look, feel, and sound like whatever the child pleases. However, the real Palmer is aloof to the damage as he, the damage he is doing, as he is actually a 75-year-old man in a vegetative state in a nearby Manhattan hospital bed. He is dreaming and still believes he is the young self and has no idea that he is actually an old man on his deathbed. See, this is badass. 
Right? Yeah, this is plausible. I like this. And it's it is in its plausibility and it's the look I just saw on Max's face when that complica- when that compliment hit him right square in the gut and how cool that story was. <laughs> what are you trying to say? And we've talked about cool fucking TV shows where you're friends with a ghost. When? When yeah, did we yeah. ever do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say zero, dude. I think it's badass. It's too badass for you couldn't fight alongside Dexstar. I think you just went for coolness on this one. Okay, Chase, just or honor out of curiosity, what were you thinking? Yeah, this is the most plausible one we've heard yet, which makes me think it probably <laughs> no is not real. Think, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> well, something to consider while writing future heroes or zeros, because yeah, I made Kim Palmer up. He's okay. Not real. So three Good two. Good job, now. boys. Three two. Well, Swing it on over to me to take this a, shit home. Yeah, you have another one here. Alrighty. Let's see here. We could have an upset of brewing though if I don't if I don't knock hey. this one out. Your hero is dupe. <laughs> D-O-O-P. Dupe. Real name? It's dupe. It's just dupe. <laughs> I could have taken it if it was D-U-P-E. Like you <laughs> duped somebody, but okay. First appearance, Marvel's X-Force, number 116, in July of 2001. A product of the Cold War era, through a U.S. military experiment, dupe carries the appearance of an amorphous green blob and has a wide range of abilities, including flight, healing factor, superhuman strength and durability, as well as the ability to replicate objects in an extra-dimensional void within his own body where he can store objects and people. Okay. Dupe. Hmm. Okay. And that's kind of... That's all we got. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's all we got. <laughs> yeah, I think you got... I'm, I'm going to say it's a, it's a hero. It sounds like a hero, I guess. It sounds like a real thing. Sounds pretty real. Chase, what would you have said? I don't know. There's something about the fact that his name is Dupe and his superhero name is Dupe. I can see a creator just being like, let's make the the hero first. And if that part just doesn't, I don't know. I'd say hero as well. You would say hero too? Well, you're right. It is a real hero. <laughs> Take it out. Ooh. Yeah, put Let me out of my misery. Out. <laughs> Fucking dupe a loop. Dupe the loop, man. <sighs> Snoop the dupe. Good job, guys. I hope you had now fun. Now I'm on my winning streak. I was in a slump. Now it's my time to shine, baby. <laughs> I mean, the score doesn't reflect it, but I I feel de- dejected after that <laughs> one. That was, that was rough. You were really, like, it flustered. <laughs> just by the nature of the game. It's just, like, un- it's un- unreal. <laughs> you might want to second guess next time you want to bring this one to the table. <laughs> yeah. Chase might have a stroke. I've got another yeah. half of people in there that I'm willing to bring through, so I can't wait for the next I'm time ready. I get to, to use them. But, uh, you know, that was a great little game. Mm-hmm. Good job, Hunter. Let's go on and see if we got anything going on in the, the mail corner. All right. So we're popping on over to Dunter's mail corner. It's it. First one comes from Ben Ebig. It says, Who is your favorite characters in Injustice 2? 
What's Max? up, Ben? Yeah, that's for me. Perfect. Got to help us out here. <laughs> I've been playing a lot of people in Injustice 2. I got to say, I love the game. Dexter. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> playing some Atrocitus, getting some Dexter in there. Uh-huh. Uh, I will say that I, like, I'm not quite sure who I want to main. I'm playing a whole bunch of different people. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I love the Joker in that game. He's great. Plays very similarly similarly that he used to in Injustice One, only with a little bit more damage, which I like a lot. Cool. Just give me, give me, give me a hot a hot take right here. I mean, is the game good? How 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 good is Injustice Two? The game is really good. Okay, but it's as good as Injustice One was. That doesn't mean that I mean, this game is going to be. It's gonna I watched work. the first top eight of it yeah. from like I don't even know what it was this weekend. Combo and I, breaker. It just it just didn't look very appealing to watch. Yeah, I can I can see that, and I would say that it's definitely a game contrary to Street Fighter Five, is fucking hard to come back in, in my opinion, hmm. because there's a lot of stupid things, not stupid things, but just like stuff that's like the chip damage is outrageous, and you can die on chip, hmm. so you end up having a lot of people just kind of laming out the other person in an effort to guarantee their win when they have the lead. Yeah, uh, but the overall gameplay is fucking solid. The game itself is full. It feels fun to play. It feels good. It takes a second to like understand the difference between the mechanics in this game as opposed to a more like Link or Chain heavy game like Guilty Gear or uh, Street Fighter. And there's definitely like a feeling and a weight that you need to get used to when you play it. But it's a lot of fun, and it's nice and like easy to get into, but with a whole lot of depth. To like stay, keep you involved. I should give me where where is where is the depth? Where is the depth? I think that so coming from a game like Street Fighter uh, Five, right, where the biggest thing that it lacks, I think, is combo diversity. And naturally, when you think of a game like Injustice or any NRS game, I think coming from Capcom, you would assume that the combo diversity isn't going to be very high, given the fact that the combos are chain combos, so you don't see like different combos but where you end up seeing the depth is in the juggle states and the standing resets Mm. and what you end up having is a game that's high in 50 50s but high in reactable 50 50s right so you end up just opening somebody up by exploiting what you think they might be expecting and doing the opposite and you end up continuing combos or sacrificing damage in order to reset the combo again Mm-hmm. I like those decisions. Really, yeah. I feel like those, there's a lot of that decision making in uh, Guilty Gear. Yeah, which I, I think there are too, right? There's a lot of just like high low overheads that aren't just like outrageously impossible to Brock. It's not like five frame grabs or like instant overheads or anything like that. It's all stuff where I think that defense goes a very long way. That if you know how to play defensively, you can absolutely thrive in that game for sure. Um, and it's also a game that I think that as you play different characters around the cast, you learn a lot more about how to play against those characters more so than in another game. I feel like if I learned how to play Ibuki, it doesn't necessarily make me that much better at fighting against Ibuki as it does in Injustice, where when you learn somebody else's strings and start memorizing what strings are the best ones to go for, you start memorizing where the high lows are, and then you start end up being able to defend against them more. But like I said, there's not necessarily that much of like a high execution barrier. There can be because the juggles can get really strict. But you can everybody can kind of jump in 
and get these combos going off right away. There's a lot of new options in this game that end up uh, providing you with a lot more defensive options to get through zoning or different options to get through things that were much more exploitable in uh, Injustice 1. And I think that despite the fact that people are saying now that like you can easily get zoned in this game, I rarely get zoned while online, at least by people who are like bad at it. So I don't think that's as big of an issue as everybody's trying to make it out to be. And I think that the game's just fun, and all the characters are super different, and each character has something fucking like weird going on. <laughs> like Swamp Thing has full screen command grabs, which in theory sounds fucking broken as fuck. But then when you <laughs> yeah. play him, you're like, or play against him, you're like, okay, there's so many ways to get around this that it ends up not being that way. Yeah. Right. And then you, yeah, right. And you have Bane who has armored command grabs, and you're like, that sounds fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. But then I get blown up as Bane sometimes because somebody's <laughs> doing something else different, right? And I think it's going to boil down to a game to where, like, everybody... I will, I will say that's very matchup-dependent. It's going to be a lot of games where you're going to have people start top eights and, or stop, like, start a match, get bodied by one person, switch a character to body that other character, and then that character's going to switch his character to body that character, mm-hmm. which I think will be, you know... It's fun. You know, my, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll add a lot of, like, diversity to, you know, top eights and things like that. So I think it'll be watch. I don't think it's going to last too much longer than a year in the circuit. Yeah. Like, Guilty Gear and Street Fighter Five and Tekken are going to be the ones that like stick around. But that was my second question right now. Um, only so much time, only so much money. Tekken seven's coming out in like a week. Uh, do you see yourself getting it? Like, are you going to be just staying committed to injustice? Um, it's not so much injustice as much as it is. Am I going to stay committed to injustice, guilty gear in street fighter five? And then also Tekken. Cause at yeah, this point, like, no way. yeah, Tekken seven, well, I think it looks awesome, and I'm so interested in the community and the gameplay and the history, and that being a game that's like, you know, just a fucking a it's namesake. Legend. Yeah. It's legendary, yep. right? And I want to be involved, and I want to understand it. I will probably get it. I'm going to probably purchase the game. That being said, invest as much time into it as I will into Guilty Gear or Injustice. I mean, I'll see. I'm definitely going to invest more time into Guilty Gear, and I'm going to see where Injustice is taking me as of right now. Because I'm definitely yeah. staying up to date with like DLC characters, and there's going to be nine more characters coming in soon. So, Injustice I mean, just sounds quirky and fun. Yeah. Injustice is it's it's definitely like a more just approachable game. I like the idea that you can just have kind of like a character based either advantage or disadvantage more so than just like execution based. Yeah, which sounds fun. I don't yeah, know. I would, yeah. I would say out of all these games. I would recommend if you were to ever get a fighting game, you should get that. I Injustice would be 2. best. Suited you would for have. Injustice I think 2. you would have fun playing Injustice Two more than any other game. Cool. So, but yeah. All right, we got another one coming from Ben. He says, Thanks, "What are your thoughts on the uh, What are your thoughts on the women only screenings of Wonder Woman? This story came out of Austin, Texas, from the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema. So I'm very curious to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Lots of love, Ben." I think it's. Have you guys been keeping up with that? Apparently, I've like seen yeah, I've a read little it. bit. I've seen some uproar about men being so upset that they can't. It's just like, dude, who fucking cares? It's like the first, not the first time, but like, it's a rare opportunity to see a female fucking mainstay hero character have time on a big screen in a popularized movie like this. Mm-hmm. So hosting a few, it's not like you're not allowed to go see Wonder Woman. Yeah, you can go see Wonder Woman, and probably at very like opportune times. Like I think the seven o'clock showings on a Friday are still open to everybody. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's these little loca- it's these little times or whatever that they're setting aside for women only streams to just you know show empowerment for women. I think it's totally fine. Like who fucking 
yeah. cares? I'm not it's, bent out of shape about it at all. It's one of those things where, like, I consider myself a feminist. I do. Because I believe in the idea of equality overall. But I, it's one of those things where I just... I feel like anyone who really engages in the outrage in either side is just kind of stupid. You know? It's like... Like, I saw this thing about all these people, all these men being like, well, I guess equality is selective. You know, and you're like, <laughs> you're fucking retarded. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then like, Don Cheadle, like, fires back all this shit. And you're like, I respect Don Cheadle, but, like, all your stuff is just so, like, high and mighty. And, like, but you, you know, it's just like, just everyone just stay out of it. If they want to fucking do it. I think that was part of the thing is they wanted to rile people up. They know that we're in an outrage time right now. Um, I don't fucking care. I think it's great. You know, I, I do believe that if there were like men only screenings of like a major blockbuster film, it would be a little more controversial. Um, but you know, it's kind of a male dominated. Yeah. Most things are male dominated. So it's like, okay, already male dominated. It's something that I really don't really care about. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I think that if that's what they choose to do, cool. Like I I don't find any offense to it. So go ahead and do it. I will say that I agree with you that anybody that really like tends to chime in on either side ends up just looking stupid. Yeah. Right. So it's like you end up, especially as a male. Cause it's like, yeah, it's like at the end of the day, it's like, okay, if you're going to go through all the trouble to like protest and like buy a ticket online and then go to this place as like a man, it's like, okay, you're going to walk <laughs> in and it's going to be like, all right, there's still 95 <laughs> women here and yeah. you're not, you know, like, what did you do? You did nothing. Like all you did was just, you just maybe up took, your a, and yeah, got pissed maybe off took a ticket from a seven year old girl who wanted to go watch fucking Wonder Woman surrounded by, yeah, good job. Women. You know what I mean? It's just like. Get her done. Yeah, you're a fucking doofus usually. So. Yeah, I just think the whole episode is perfectly indicative of how fucking cartoonishly ri- just ridiculous things have gotten in society. Yeah. Um, yep. Well, how about this? We've got a question from Dunter, and we have another one from Ben, actually. Let's save these for next week since we've been running kind of uh, long in the tooth, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll come back. Right on. Sounds good. That's great. Great questions, though. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Well, guys, a uh, a long-filled episode full of great news stories, fantastically orchestrated games. Yeah, frustration. Frustrating games. I mean, I got to hand it to you, Max. I feel like I there's there's just no touchstone. There's nothing to grab <laughs> on, dude. Like, I don't. I don't. That's the thing. I don't fucking know. You know. I don't know if it's a hero. I don't know if it's a zero. <laughs> He got, got you with armadillo, right, man. Yeah, I mean, the armadillo, that's man. That's what I'm saying, dude. Watched. Like, <laughs> that's that's that is fucking preposterous. Because the second I do say, you know, well, fuck, if mongoose blood is a real hero, then fucking armadillo army man might as well be a zero. And then it's like, no, that's or that might as well be a hero that's too. Way like, too no, dumb. Why did you think? Like, well, yeah, you're crazy, hero. man. You're crazy, dude. You're crazy. Um, oh man but yeah it was a good one they, they were fun man that's one of my favorite games you'll see it again soon just because i have a whole another half of it that i didn't even get to use um but let's go ahead and put some uh, some numbers on this beer before we dip on out of here okay uh i guess i'll keep it short and sweet i mean i think we hit on most of it chase was saying that you know it, it I, I think the word i would use to describe some of the things that the descriptors you were saying before was like it's kind of a hot beer like it's alcoholic and it's a little heavy and it's, it's, it's not like it's smooth, but it doesn't like, it kind of sticks around a little bit. Um, super fucking chocolatey. Um, it's robust, but I will disagree with you where I don't, I don't think that it's like 
super sophisticated. Like, I'm, I'm getting a little dearth of sophistication here, and so I'm going to give it an 8. Mostly because I think it's boosted by the fact that I fucking love these kinds of beers. And it did just, like, it really dominated the things that I expect from this style. But, um, but yeah, it was just like, I, I, I think I've had similar beers that pulled it off in a little bit more of a subtle fashion, and I appreciated that. Whereas this is kind of like more in your face, like it's freaking dark and hit you in the face chocolate and alcoholic. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but it just didn't like, didn't blow my socks off. But I definitely recommend it. It was like a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, eight. Yeah. I think, I think eight's a good score, actually. I'll, I'll stick in with an eight there. Cause this, I think this is a really, it's like a well, it's a well made beer. Like it's a well crafted beer. It's, there's nothing there's I don't really have a lot of negatives as much as I have just maybe where it could have just been different, you know, for me personally or something. Uh it is hot, man. Like it's it is very alcoholic and it's sweet, but not to the degree of like processed sugar sweet. You yeah. know, it, it's um it stings like my mouth <laughs> when it's without, it stings. With how sweet it can be. Uh but that but I do still think there is some balance there with just the hoppy. There is some hop to it. There's some hop character to it. And with just the, even the bitterness of the chocolate, I think it's got a good flavor profile. I think maybe areas where I would have liked it to have been different is it did feel a little thin despite how big bodied it was. Um, I think I could have used like a little more creaminess in it. You know, I think, I think what this, what defined this beer for me most was just the mouthfeel of it all. And, uh, it had a pretty good one, but where all the flavors and stuff were very well balanced, maybe, maybe the mouthfeel just wasn't as much. So for me, so cool. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm upset with how much I'm just like really, you know, identifying with this mainstream breweries beer. (laughs) You know what I mean? Drinking the same beer as the soups over here, man. Yeah, this fucking dupe of a beer, man. Um, no, I, I I like the beer. I think it's really good. I think when I first started drinking it... Um, Do you I like mean, these style of beers, by the way? I'm not like necessarily partial to them more than another. Okay. I always appreciate sweetness usually in beers. That's why I like Belgium beers mm-hmm. a lot. Yep. I tend to like stouts just because of like the chocolatiness of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think this, you know, it, it was... Very easy to drink at the beginning while it was ice cold. And I think that near the end when it finally started warming up, I really started getting some more of those other flavors. Like you said, that heat was in there, that tinge of licorice at the end. Um, but still at the end of the day, it was just a very, it was a very chocolatey, dark beer that I think as it warmed up, ended up feeling thicker and just more like... I don't know, just more dense with every gulp of it, right? Yeah. Like, it almost, like, tricked me into drinking it so far at the beginning and then, like, caused me to kind of slow down as I drank it more, mm-hmm. which is cool. I mean, I think that's that's good for a beer. So. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm honestly thinking about maybe changing my number. Like, I, <laughs> what? Uh, I actually, I, I you actually have a rehash is, here? You I really are flustered. really good, dude. Yeah, it's a good beer, man. I think, I don't know, I think this, this might be, like, 8.5 or 9 range. I think, like, I can just see some of my other beer-loving friends drink this and be like dude this is an awesome stout you know what i mean and like 
I just might be off base because I'm trying to speak to it too much. I, I really do think this is a fantastic one, like beer. I feel you. Which is what I was going to do. I was going to do an 8.5 just because okay. I like the beer. Um, at no point that I ever feel like I was taken aback by like a strange amalgamation of flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be something left there for like diversity within the beer. Like you might have some room to like add to it to give it some more differentiating characteristics. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for being a stout and not having a very like typical stout experience and then having these other small flavors kind of perk up and just kind of end up adding to the experience of drinking it so much. And then I think that the, like just the feel, the weight of the beer is also really good and nothing too overwhelming ends up making it a good, nice beer. So I guess when Carbox sold out, you know, they yeah, Still they got made some- one last batch before they <laughs> sold out, right? On this one. That must have been it. Because there's no way I could like a mainstream bullshit Bud Light like fucking piece of shit macro but beer. I, but but I do. It's, 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 it's an 8.5. It's a, it's a good beer. Cool. It's for me. All righty. Man, like I said, good news stories, good talks, all that kind of stuff. Any farewell words from you guys before I plug the show? Casual interference. Yeah, man. For real, though, casual interference. I'm not just plugging my friend's band. I'm plugging a really good fucking EP, man, for real. So, yeah. If you want to go find that, you can look on bandcamp.com slash casual interference or just look it up on Spotify, right? That's how I listen to it. Yep. We'll be going on YouTube, Facebook. YouTube on them. Or if you want to look up uh, the show you just listened to, you can always go to wittybantershow.com. You can go to to Twitter at wittybantershow. If you want to follow Chase, you can follow at bodaciouschase. If you want to follow me for some reason, you can follow me at probablymax. Um... Like I said, man, what a great show, guys. Thanks for coming around. Thanks for participating in my game. Thanks for listening to me ramble on about news stories. Twas a pleasure. Well, from all of us here at Witty Banter, have a beat up beep day. And beat up beep. Beyond the beat up beep. <laughs> Don't forget to beep. <laughs> <laughs>